marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we believe that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball. This is Jared Jewett. And this week we're going to talk about trade shows and conferences and exhibits. So we've recently put together a download Mm -hmm. guide that kind of walks uh, people who are interested in attending trade shows through the process all the way from preparation to the six-month follow-up after the show. So today, really, this podcast is kind of a, a quick summary, kind of give you a little bit of a taste of what we talked about, maybe go off on tangents because we can do that. Um, and then if you want more information at the end of the show, you can get the guide from the link in both our blog post and on iTunes. So let's start right off the bat. What does it take to really prepare to figure out which trade shows you're going to go out, go to throughout the year or maybe a couple years out? I think that the biggest thing that every company has to do is really figure out what they're trying to accomplish at the trade shows because that's going to help you decide what kind of shows you want to go to. I mean, are you looking to just introduce your company to a lot of people, just build awareness? Then you want to go to big shows and have a great booth in a very prominent location. Are you really trying to get leads? Are you really trying to have some in-depth conversations with qualified prospects? Then a smaller show, um, maybe a, a trade booth at a user group will be a much better way to have those more in-depth conversations. But it's not cheap, right? Not to do it well. And so you really want to think about what are you going to get out of it and set a budget based on that. So do you really have to pick and choose? I mean, maybe if it's a year, let's say 12 months, do you go to six shows? I mean, or do you figure out, oh man, there's this one huge show that really we want to send a lot of people to, but it's going to cost a lot of money uh, to send all these people to house them, to buy the tickets. I mean, are those the kind of decisions you're making? And is that based on the revenue that's coming in? or I think it's got to be based on the revenue that's coming in. And also, and I saw this a lot when I was at Carrier, there was a big trade show. Ashray was the show for the year. And we would send 30, 40 people to the show. That's a lot of manpower. Um, but there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And when you were working the booth, you were always talking to people. But we'd come home from the show, and we wouldn't see that lead list for several months. So it would be kind of in no man's land. And so we spent all this money to be at the show, but we really didn't get as much benefit out of it because we didn't have enough manpower or attention to the follow-up on the back end. So nowadays, though, trade shows are a little bit better, right? By my understanding, uh, most uh, some of the time, they'll actually send you the attendee list ahead of time. So is that something you can bank on? Is that something you can actually build kind of your budget strategy around? You definitely want to look at the, um, the attendee list as you get them. You want to you ask a conference organizer how many people come. You might want to ask for bigger events what the mix of people is so you can figure out well, there's 100,000 people that attend this conference. Great, 100,000 people I can talk to. Well, yeah, but 20,000 are vendors and exhibitors. Now you're down to 80,000. Great, no problem. 15,000 are students. Now you're down to 65,000. 10,000 are 
journalists and industry consultants. So you really want to get down to a number that says, okay, there's five or 10 or 25,000 or 2,500 potential people that are really relevant. That's the first thing. Now you decide, okay, our objective is just to build awareness. Well, then you run an advertising, you run your trade show like an ad, and you think about, I can run an ad in a magazine and get 5,000 eyeballs, or I can be at a trade show and get 5,000 eyeballs. You know, are those two equal? What are my expenses for each of them? That's how you compare it. You, you're really looking at cost per impression. On the other hand, if your goal is to gather leads, now you've got to be setting lead goals and have realistic expectations maybe based on previous show that says, we're going to get 100 qualified leads. Well, if we're spending $10,000 to be there, divide that by 100 and now you know what you're paying per lead. Maybe you want to look at sales. Well, that's where that long-term measure comes in because sometimes you meet someone at a trade show, they check out your website, they get your email, they get some of your follow-up, and now six months later they become a sale. You still can apply that against the cost. So as you're building your budget, you have to look at trade shows like any other marketing investment. How many leads, how many referrals, what kind of exposure, and if the numbers make sense, you go. But also... Do you have the manpower to follow up? So if you've done all that, if you've done your due diligence and really figured out that a show is profitable, what are some of the prep steps? Oh. I mean, before you even show up, like, you know, what, what marketing are you doing beforehand? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. Everything from figuring out what's going to be in the booth, um, what are you going to hand out, what are you going to give away, what are you going to send to people before, during, and after the show. And you need to leave. I think that's the mistake I think companies make is they never leave enough time. There's, it always sneaks up on them and suddenly they're paying rush charges to print stuff. Um, rule of thumb, producing a booth for a trade show, you best be starting three months out. Um, Printed material, you best be starting two months out because you're going to get distracted. You want to make sure that it's printed, it's perfect, and you can get it to the show on time. Yeah, actually, when I was working in insurance, I remember one time, I don't know why anyone ever asked me to design anything, but they, <laughs> but they asked me to help design actually a really cool kind of wraparound uh, for a booth uh, that, because we sold insurance. So it basically just showed our product and some of the things, uh, some of the benefits you actually get from that product. But we spent just enough time right before the trade show to get it done and had to order uh, that rush shipping. And it was, it was a nightmare. It, mm -hmm. was, it was a nail-biter. Luckily, everything got done because the, the guys who go to the trade shows are pros, you know, and they've got it figured out. But it's, I think it's really tough if that becomes uh, your standard. Absolutely. And if you're, doing more than a, I mean, if you're doing more than a few trade shows a year, hopefully you've got a standard booth. But every show is different. Um, the show specs are different. Sometimes you have a 10-foot booth. Sometimes you have an 8-foot booth. Sometimes the booth includes a backdrop. Sometimes it doesn't. And so you've got to have a display that can flex a little bit with every show. And hopefully all you're changing out is a graphic or a panel and not the physical structure of your, of your display. 
So that's another thing that I think the guide goes over a little bit is you really need to figure out, right, like where your booth is going to be physically. If it's someplace that you want to pay the money to be in the in the trade show space. You know, that's, that's one of the advantages to signing up for any kind of trade show or convention early. If you're going to do it, don't wait till the last minute because then you're going to end up in the corner booth um, under the noisy air conditioner next to the bathroom in the water fountain. And it's not a good place to be. So you want to really kind of, I think, get in early so you can look at the map and start crossing off those booths that aren't good. Um, You don't want to be near the bathroom. You don't want to be near a food station because then your display is going to be the place where everybody drops their dirty plates. But it happens. Um, And here's another trick, and I think that this is something that I don't think people think about. If you're going to a larger trade show, it's like a grocery store. People will naturally walk in, turn to their right, and go up and down the aisles. And in the United States, everybody turns to their right unless there is some sort of physical obstruction that pushes them the other way. So the booths in the first couple of aisles will typically get more traffic. Now... If it's a very big, very busy show, people go down and they see all that traffic in the first aisle and they skip and go to the second, third, or fourth. But if it's a very, very big show, there is fatigue and people get distracted or stop, go get something to eat. They may or may not get back to those last few aisles. So while I don't necessarily think being on the first aisle is great because that's, it gets really crowded and a lot of people will pass you by that second or third aisle are probably really good locations because of traffic pattern. So now that we're there, right? Now that we're established, we figured out we're in the right place. We're not by the food stall, right? Uh, what do we need to be presenting to people to get them to come up and talk with us? Well, the first thing is a smile. You All know, right. I, 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 and I know that this is something that you you can do. You've got to have people in the booth that yeah. like talking to people. Yep. Um, that sounds kind of silly. We used to take engineers to trade shows. And, you know, they'd be great as long as you had somebody like me on the front who could talk to and engage people. And as soon as I got a technical question, I could be like, you know, Jerry, come here. And now Jerry was great. Um, so I think the first thing is you've got to have some training for the people that are going to be in the booth. Help them learn how to... Start a conversation. Very quickly qualify prospective clients from vendors, from time wasters, and figure out how to politely transition them uh, into the next phase of the conversation. So it's not at all that you need kind of a script to do that, right? But your people do need to know the kind of questions they need to be asking and the kind of responses that they need to be getting Mm -hmm. to right off the bat start qualifying those people. Uh, one of the one of the things I actually learned a long time ago about trade shows is if if you do take someone's business card, right, it's okay to maybe even just mark on it uh, uh, some sort of qualification. Mm-hmm. I mean, just put a big X if it's someone who, hey, I really need to call this person when we get back, um, and that's you know that takes two seconds. So once you get people into your booth, you want to have some kind of raffle or fishbowl that people can drop their cards into or sign up because that's how you collect your leads. So is that like, like um, are you giving away prizes or are you giving away product information? 
in that fishbowl, you want to have some kind of a prize or an incentive. Now, I've seen people raffle off trips to Hawaii and big screen televisions. And the problem with some of those things, you get a lot of interest, but you get a lot of people that really aren't prospects. And so suddenly you've got a lot of unqualified leads. So I typically like to have a raffle that is a little more relevant, that is tied a little bit to what you do. Maybe it's a year subscription to your product or a free trial, or um, if it is unrelated, if you are just giving away a cute kid's toy, then require people to give you a little bit more information. So even if you spend the time up front on kind of tchotchkes, which I never use, by the way, but um, if you have done that, at least require something, right, from the leads that are walking in. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the thing about trade show giveaways, and, and I know that there are 100 promotion companies that are going to come headhunting for me here. Instead of giving away 1,000 pens, give away five iPads. Mm. And instead of giving them away at the show, collect the leads, do a drawing, and then send them Afterwards, I've come home from trade shows with bags of stuff. I don't look at any of it. Half of it gets thrown away in my hotel room. Mm -hmm. And so by having an offer, having a raffle, having a drawing where you are giving something away that will be awarded immediately following the show, you actually do someone a favor because they don't have to ship it home. Yeah, and so then they don't actually have to... So they don't have to ship it home. Um, and so you actually, it's a convenience for them. So the other thing I really want you to think about, because everybody's always handing out literature at trade shows. And again, it goes into that bag that sits on their desk until they finally just give up and push the whole pile into the filing cabinet that's kind of round and circular at the end of their desk. So what I always suggest is collect cards and tell people, I will send you some information. It'll be on your desk when you get home. So part of your marketing plan is to make sure that you've got that ready to go. So if you're making those promises, it really is just a matter of uploading those that information, those leads, and then either sending an email or even you know sending direct print, uh, something that's really going to stand out to people and and, and have, make them remember you. Absolutely, and the ideal time for it to arrive is two to three days after they come home from the trade show, because that first day that they're coming home from the trade show, they're overwhelmed. You know, well, when you come home back from a vacation, how much email is stacked up in your inbox? Tons. Yeah. Um, there's stuff on your desk. There are people lined up to see you. The last thing you have is time to spend thinking about stuff you saw at the trade show where you've already spent three to four days. Get back into the routine. Give people a chance to get caught up and then deliver your message. Two to three days is when you make your phone calls. It's when you start sending your email and you want your direct mail to arrive. And you and your team need some decompression time, too. You know, and it's going to take you that two days to get all that information into your lead database anyways. So yeah, you might as well plan for that. You know, I've seen some really interesting systems, and depending on the size of the show and the length of the show, I've seen people take card scanners to trade shows 
and sitting in their hotel room that night, um, ha- you know, scanning all those cards so your list is built and uh, emailing that list to your office and having them send that stuff out before you even leave the show. One of my favorite examples of customer intimacy was a primo. They actually would scan cards at the show and uh, their scanner would send the information back to someone in their office who would then call the person at the show. Well, they would actually call their office, but so many people use their cell phones that very often the phone would ring while someone was still in the booth and they'd be like, how did you do that that fast? So it's kind of okay to have that level of cognitive dissonance as long as you are demonstrating that you actually really care about the person that you're engaging with and and you want them to be a customer. Absolutely. And and a primo, part of what they were demonstrating was their software and lead management tools. So finding ways to break out a little bit, be noticed, be different, be responsive, is what actually transforms leads into sales opportunities. So it really comes down to what you do after the show, how you follow up, and how you make that experience profitable. Absolutely. I think that before you leave and head out to the show, you should know what you're going to do when you come back. You should know if there are going to be emails. You should know if you're going to send direct mail. You should know if you're going to be on the phones and have people lined up and ready. You need to know what format your leads are going to be in. Is it going to be an Excel spreadsheet? Is it going to be piles of business cards that, that someone is going to transcribe? Get a kid, a high school student who types like a demon at 10 bucks an hour, have them type business cards and get it done. The other thing is, I think, sorting that list and deciding who do you really want to talk to. So really qualifying that list? And I think, you know, you made that comment earlier about putting an X on some of the cards. Going through those notes. Um, If it's a long show, I used to sort my cards every night and put them in envelopes. So when I got home, I knew this was my A list. This is my B list. Yeah, we'll get to them eventually. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I mean, just some of those little analog tips that you can Mm -hmm. take along with you can save you so much time on the back end. Uh, figuring out, you know, who is actually worth calling, who you had a good conversation with. Yeah, and if you can't do that, if you come home from a show and every lead is the same, you probably didn't have a great experience. You probably didn't do all that you could while you were there. Have there been any shows that you've ever been to that just have been a waste? Not because of your preparation, not because of what you did afterwards, but... They just did not pan out. Absolutely. And that's where doing a little bit of due diligence on the conference organizer. um, For us, when I was a carrier, the Edison Electric Institute Conference was great. The American Gas Association was great. The Good Sense Energy Conference was a lot of fun. But it wasn't good business. There weren't enough... There were too many industry insiders and not enough prospective customers to make it, uh, to to give me any kind of a list when I came home of people I really needed to talk to. Made a lot of friends, and I've got a lot of the journalists that were there. It was a lot of fun for me personally, but it wasn't a good business event. So doing your homework on the front end to find out 
who comes to the show, what's the makeup of that audience, will really make the show beneficial on the back end. Awesome. If you've enjoyed today's show, if you want to learn more, go ahead and download our white paper. You can find it at roundpeg.biz slash tradeshow or in a link in our podcast. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.